0: Hello, and welcome to Sights & Sirens Back to Basic Podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Sights. I'm an emergency physician, and I'm here with my brother, Jason Sights, who is a firefighter, paramedic, and RN. Together, we run Sights & Sirens, an emergency preparedness training company. Sights & Sirens is a National American Heart Association training center and EMS training company that specializes in NREMT exam prep. Our Back to Basics podcast was created to make what are sometimes complex medical topics easy to understand and retain for students of emergency care. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming service, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. I'm an ER doctor, though, so it's not an emergency,
1: but it is for me. Well, it is for you, but that I'm not going to look at your rash. It's raised. I get that. There's fuzz on it. Go see it. That's... Just because it's where it's at? Yes, exactly. Because it's where it's Why at. I don't want to look at it. I feel like... That's weird. If you're really my brother, no, you should... just start. We'll talk about it later. Go ahead. All right. Well, welcome to the Sights and Sirens Back to Basic podcast, where my brother and I, an ER physician and firefighter paramedic and RN, talk about complicated medical issues and break them down and take them back to the basics. Today's sponsor is St. Patrick's Day, because it is St. Patrick's Day and the luck of the Irish. No, you're after I Charms. I don't think you it's can. Gonna, I don't think you can just make Saint Patrick our sponsor. It's not going to actually be Saint Patrick's Day when anyone listens to this either, because a right. podcast time travel. It's going to be like a month later. But yeah, but we are recording is, this on Saint Patrick's Day. So, so happy cheers. We should have had some Saint green Patrick? beer or something and been like, oh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, people okay. like that kind of stuff. Sure. So
0: I guess. Sure. Anyway, our, our basically today. we don't have a sponsor. Today. <laughs> yeah, there's no sponsor today. There's so no Chris, What today. are we talking about? All right. So today I wanted to talk about the dialysis patient. Um. I want to share a case. And there's, the reason this this got brought up uh, is I had a case the other day of a dialysis patient that I'd like to share. But I think that, so talking about dialysis is not like a sexy topic, right? And I think in emergency care and in EMS, we want to talk about trauma and the airway True, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And sometimes we shy away from these topics that aren't as cool and sexy because they one, seem
1: like they're going to be boring.
0: They seem like they're going to be boring. And sometimes that's because we don't have a deeper understanding of them. Because
1: getting a deeper understanding is sometimes boring,
0: right? Exactly, right. It can it can it can be you know a boring topic, and sometimes it's because we don't know more about it and that sort of thing. So, and like you've told me so many times that like I have this ability to take very mundane medical topics and make them super sexy. So I kind of want to do that ever today. Ever said that?
1: Yeah, I feel like let well, the said record that. show. I've never ever said. I feel that like you said that a couple times. My brother, that's weird. I think you said. Okay, well, I mean, anyway, so
0: we're gonna talk about a dialysis patient, and the, my goal for this is to. Again, bring it back to basics like we do and talk about we know that things happen with dialysis, but let's talk about what actually happens, what it actually it is so that maybe we can leave here and maybe it's still not a sexy topic, but we have a better understanding of it. True. Okay. so the reason I wanted to bring this up because I had this case the other day where. And it was not necessarily like a complicated case. It was a 65-year-old male who's on dialysis. He's brought in by EMS because he was confused. Okay. So the main complaint, the chief complaint was altered mental status, confusion. So the medic brought him in and this medic and I are close. I I see we do a lot of EMS education. So this is a buddy who I know and he brought him in and he goes, hey, you know, the guy's been confused for the last two days. Um, I think it's because he missed dialysis. And that makes perfect sense. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. What do you think is going on? And I wasn't trying to like quiz him or or yeah. anything like that. I was just like, like, what do you, you know, I, I totally agree with you. It's probably because he missed dialysis. Why do you, you know, what do you think's going on? And he's like, well, cause he missed dialysis. Right. And, and I was like, no, I, I confused. I agree with you, but like and then that probably is making him confused, but like what a but, but why? Well, because he missed dialysis. It's your job. You're the ER doctor. Right, no, exactly. Out, and I wasn't like <laughs> I wasn't right. I wasn't trying to like, you know, like, you know, trick him into like quiz him and try yeah, to pass true. the test. But and but I realized that and maybe even I, it's, it's some, like we know that something's going on when someone misses dialysis. We know that like dialysis brings on a whole new differential diagnosis. But right. but what what is it? Right. We sometimes we forget like what that is, because, again, it's 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 kind of a complicated topic in the sense that if you we can try to break it down and make it a little bit easier for people, which is my hope for today. But again, we know there's something else when we see a dialysis patient. But I want to talk about what
1: that else is. Right. Why? It makes sense that he's confused but why,
0: right? Let's, let's, right. let's
1: really make sense of it. And I think that we've sort of proven with the topics that we've covered, like we've talked about this before, but like this is what is going to separate you from being a basic provider and an expert in what you do, right? It's, it's, it's not enough just to know, Hey, dialysis patients, when they miss dialysis can sometimes be confused. Like that's a, maybe a little bit of a step above, but sure. like a deeper understanding of how the kidneys work and what dialysis is and then why, you know, physiologically that creates altered mental status. Well, now I'm an expert in the material and I can, again, I, I'm better at the more nuanced issues than if I see an issue with a patient who's on dialysis and they're confused and this weird thing's going on, I'm more apt to catch those, that weird stuff because I, I have an understanding of the entire process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes the things we see more often, we almost sometimes know less about because they're not as exciting because we see them all the time, right? Yeah. So like you don't see amputations all the time. So you learn all about it, and it's exciting. You're like, "Oh man, like that would be crazy!" And but then we see dialysis patients every day, right? And because we see them every day, they're boring, they're mundane. There's not much necessarily that we feel like we can do or gonna do. So we almost don't study it as much, or we don't think about it as in as much depth. And again, I think there's an opportunity there for us to kind of dive into it a little bit, keep it simple, but really kind of have a nice picture of when we see a dialysis patient,
1: what are the couple things we need to be looking for, and 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 that sort of thing. (laughs) And I don't think it's that complicated like i know right i think even i don't have as much knowledge as, as i should when it comes to like electrolyte imbalances and stuff like that and i think we in the same way that sometimes in areas of cardiology we chalk it up to like well there's a bunch of different things and it's complicated so i'm just going to use big words and like ignore it you know mm-hmm. like it, it really isn't too complicated there, there's a, a certain number of chemicals in the body there's a certain number of you know h- how the kidney functions to to keep fluid balance and stuff like that so and you can you can pretty much as a rule know how those those chemicals and electrolytes are shifting and how fluids shifting in the body. Like you can you can understand that there are clear rules to it. It's not even as complicated as like STEMI identification and sure. stuff like that, mm-hmm. where there's like exceptions to the rules all the time. It is pretty clear cut. Yeah. It just doesn't necessarily directly affect our treatment all the time. And I think maybe because it's more of a science and it's less of an art. We can't kind of BS our way through it. Right. Yeah. You either know <laughs> it or you don't. To sound right? more like an expert. Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: Well, and the thing is, too, and I will openly admit this, is that I even use this podcast and our education and our lectures to freshen up on things that I don't. So, I mean, so, like, when I first sat down to really kind of hammer out, like, what are the couple things I want to look for in a dialysis patient? What do I need to be? What what needs to be in my differential? How do I make this a systematic approach?
1: Right. I mean, last week, I remember you telling me you didn't even know what a kidney was.
0: No, I did I'm like, no, quiet, quiet. That's not, that's not true. Um, no, but again, like I said, I use these opportunities for, for myself as well. So it's not that I like, you know, knew everything about dialysis and I'm like, I'm going to share my knowledge. Like, no, like I want to learn about it too. So I learn about it and then, and then like to share it. So I think that's all about continuing education yeah, and, and, you know, everyday learning. So. So in order to talk about dialysis, we have to talk about uh, what it's replacing in the body. And basically what it's replacing is it's replacing the function of the kidney. All right. So do you want to share quickly what the general simple function of a kidney is? Yeah. So the kidney
1: will filter fluid, so the the blood really, Mm -hmm. but it Mm -hmm. filters the fluid of the body. It removes toxins and, and filters those out and then helps us urinate it out and eliminate those toxins so exactly through, through urine exactly
0: right so very so, so, right, again super simple i mean i there's like some complex you know physiology yeah. that goes in there but for our sake we need to know that the kidney like I said like you said filters that fluid removes those toxins so when you see a dialysis patient obviously like what what's your first gut like when as an ems provider you have a dialysis patient probably like this other ems provider you're like okay I know this brings in other things. Yeah. Is there anything specific off the bat? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, and I'll admit that because yeah. I didn't have you review this before we'll we side. jumped in here, but it's part of the process. What
1: are what are those things that you that you do think of? Okay. So, from a basic level, yeah, I'm thinking they're going to smell like ammonia, and it smells weird. Okay. okay. Sure. All right. It's, it's just it, – that's how they smell. Okay. Um, they are going to have weird – Port shunt things that I might not be able to access and I might need to like do an IV on a different arm or there might be areas of their body that I'm not supposed to mess with because that's something for the fancy dialysis stuff. Okay. Good. And then they are prone to, if they don't have their regular dialysis treatment, I'm concerned about them going septic. Okay. Sure. Sure. Those Those are the kind of the things I think like, Hey, make sure that when was their last dialysis treatment? That's Mm -hmm. something I'm going to always ask because if they missed it, Maybe that's the problem, right? Yeah. No, you know, I mean, you know that that other medic didn't come to yeah. you and be like, cause dialysis missed. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. Then, you know, shunts or ports, you know, we, we aren't allowed to access those a lot of times, at least in my local protocol and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. if I want to get access because I'm worried about fluid imbalance, I want to replace fluid or something like that. I might have to do it at a, a different site or, or something a little bit odd. So it's just kind of a nuance there. Um, Perfect. Yeah,
0: Yeah. absolutely. And those are the things I want to talk about. And I want to, like I said, I want to kind of not broaden our differential, but but highlight a couple of things we want to look at and consider in each patient we have who is on dialysis. Okay, so dialysis is essentially replacing the function of the kidney. So someone who requires dialysis has has chronic kidney disease. So much so that they're now they not fall into the category of end stage renal disease. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've got acute kidney injury, right? So you can have, you know, your kidneys can be damaged and not do as good of a job and function and get in the acute setting. You can get acute kidney injury if you're extremely dehydrated, things like that. If you've got other problems like atherosclerosis and coronary disease and diabetes, these things can damage your vessels. They damage the vessels that go to your kidneys as well. That can then lead to chronic kidney disease. Now, some people can function fine with chronic kidney disease. Their fu- their kidney doesn't function as well as it should, mm-hmm. but it functions enough, right? Just like people who have like had heart attacks in the past or have congestive heart failure, their heart doesn't function quite as good as maybe yours or eyes. Well, eyes? Is that even a word? Yeah. Yours or mine? I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't function as well, but it still functions, right? So chronic kidney disease, there's a range, right? There's like stage one, stage two. We're not, we don't have to get into that, but eventually you get to a
1: point if if things are left long enough where your kidneys completely fail. And I want to jump in quick and just talk about, you mentioned like arthrosclerosis, you mentioned uh, like like CHF, diabetes, you know, issues like that. I think a lot of times that's what we chalk it up. Like arthrosclerosis, we think about the heart, we think about the cardiovascular system, like The kidneys are an essential part of that system too, because they're not just dealing with the fluid balance in the vessels. They're dealing with the not not just how much fluid is in the vessels, but also what's in that fluid, right? So, if I have cardiac issues and backup of fluid, we're we're used to talking about CHF, where you know I have like. Um, I have right-sided heart failure or left-sided heart failure. So I have swollen, you know, ankles or or I have fluid in my lungs. Like we're able to make that concept pretty clear because of the way that the circulatory system works. But any time that we have pooling of that fluid, as providers, then we want to step in and say, okay, they need help with the elimination of that fluid mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which mean they wouldn't need help with the elimination of the fluid if the kidneys weren't overtaxed with trying to get rid of that right so sure. well, that's why we give things like diuretics like lasix you know they they help in that loop of henley that's in the kidney in the, in the nephron right and it helps eliminate that fluid so I think already we need to start tying in these, these concepts that we always chalk up to cardiology because everyone wants to be a cardiologist, like a mini cardiologist out there. But these, also, this is these systems work together, Yeah, right?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing too. I think the reason we as EMS and emergency providers focus in on the heart stuff is because that's the acute stuff typically, right? Yeah. So if you've got a bunch of plaque buildup and cholesterol buildup in your vessels and you have a heart attack... You could there, die right? right now. Right. So, we jump yeah. in and we take care of that. But the thing is that you don't only have plaque buildup and cholesterol buildup in your coronary vessels. You have it in, in all the vessels of your body, right. including the ones feeding the kidneys. So it's very common for people with atherosclerosis and high cholesterol to develop kidney issues. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're they don't they have the same blockage of flow, decreased perfusion to the kidneys. The other big, you know, you know, contributing factor to chronic kidney disease and eventually end stage renal disease is diabetes. So, you know, diabetes, if you're uncontrolled, so if you've got high glucose levels in your blood for a prolonged period of time, glucose damages vessels, right? Glucose damages the vessels in the eyes, which is why diabetics need to get their eyes checked. Frequently, it also damages vessels in the kidneys. So diabetics who are uncontrolled also have a tendency to develop chronic kidney disease and eventually end stage renal disease. So those are the big ones. So again, again, it happens over time, though. So we as emergency providers typically don't see it until it's the very
1: end. Right. We see the dialysis patient. or We make the link in the opposite direction. Right. Hey, he's got swollen hands and feet. So that means he's in heart failure. He could have a heart attack. And it's like, no, there's bad things happening in the body right now that like sure, need to be handled. We're just not thinking long term because we're such a cute provider.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think like this is an opportunity for us to think about some more chronic issues as well, like chronic kidney disease and things. So so perfect. So those are kind of the big risk factors to develop chronic kidney disease, which eventually ends up you know, in end-stage renal disease. So someone who's in end-stage renal disease only has a couple choices, right? Their kidneys do not, they no longer function, right? They no longer filter out those toxins. They no longer filter the fluid. They either need a kidney transplant, which as you, as people probably know, transplants are rare and difficult to find and, or they need dialysis. So a lot of times they'll go on, they'll go on dialysis. So dialysis basically takes the place of the kidney, And what it's going to do is it's going to we're going to basically we're taking the fluid, the blood out of the body. We're filtering it of all the bad stuff. And then we're putting it back in just like the
1: kidney would do inside the body. But this is like outside. Exactly. Right. Which is crazy. It's cool. Right. It's it's kind of an amazing thing. Right. So
0: there's a couple parts of dialysis. So there's like the machine that actually does the filtering. But there's also a a fluid within the dialysis that's called dialysate. I don't know if you're familiar with dialysate. So dialysate is basically a, a fluid that... You know, so for instance, we want to pull potassium out of the blood. We play with the, you know, levels of potassium in that fluid so that things diffuse into that fluid and other things go in. And it basically Mm -hmm. is like a like an electrolyte fluid that pulls things out and helps put things
1: back into the blood to to filter it. Right. Because remember, fluid balance is always going to be based on on dilution and like like dilution and then the, the just the the rule of the gradient we're always going to move yeah from a, from an area of high concentration to low concentration right. so the bigger particles you know the the sodiums the potassiums when they shift into different areas or, or when our, the, our cells have pumps that force them into different areas, the fluid's then going to move with it in order to naturally dilute it. And that's how we can shrink and swell cells. It's how we can get fluid into intravascular space or intercellular space and move things around. Exactly right. And that's what dialysis is doing. So there's a couple
0: types of dialysis too, though. So the, the one that we know of is hemodialysis, right? So hemo meaning blood dialysis. Meaning we're taking the blood out usually through a shunt, and then we're filtering it and putting it back in. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned those shunts earlier. Yeah, what is a shunt? Walk me through it. Okay, so a shunt is essentially a artery and a vein that have been stitched together to form one big solid vessel that's muscular because there's an artery attached but it's also large because there's a vein attached and it can allow and accommodate large amounts of fluid, right? So we're, we're pulling all the bl- literally all the blood out of the body over the course of a couple hours of dialysis a couple times a week yeah. and then filtering it and putting it all back in. So
1: we need a vi- a big firm vessel that can do so, that. So yeah, the exchange is normally happening at the capillaries, right? Where the mm-hmm. veins and the arteries meet, but it's so microscopic and tiny, it's not like we're going to be able to pull tons of fluid out of the capillary beds. Right. So, like a kidney. could. So we basically just graft an artery and a vein together. Now we have a big, large vessel that we can pull. It's, it's about the size. Right, right. Right. It's not really about the function because there's things in our body that does that, obviously. But we want to get enough fluid. Exactly. Out in a short period. Of time. Exactly. And there's two ways we can do that. We can either take the
0: artery in the vein and stitch them together or we can take like an artificial piece of like tubing or it's almost like a plastic tubing and then stitch to that so there's two different ways so there's, there's like a graft where you put a piece in there and stitch to it yeah or there's like the shunt where you you just stitch the two together and now here's
1: a shunt. question that I, I do not know the answer to when they like when those are done they're done with those let's say you were you were being dialysized for months and then you got a kidney transplant things are hunky-dory now like when they like do they take those – they take them out, right? They, like, untie it eventually. No. No, they leave They leave it. So you just always have a shunt. You just blood? always have a
0: shunt there, yeah. So you're just kind of cool. And that's why these patients will have – because it's so much flow through that one vessel, they have, yes. like, a thrill. You'll hear the people talk yeah, about you'll a thrill. Feel you'll it. feel yeah. the turbulent flow of the blood. Right, right. And that's why you don't want to put a blood pressure cuff on that arm. You don't want to do an IV on that arm because you don't want to risk blocking that shunt. There's only, like, a couple places that people can have a shunt, right? It's usually the two, two arms – you only got two arms, so if you have a shunt in one arm and it fails, you've got the other arm. You really want to protect these, so we're not going to do anything that could potentially so crush clot them the off, pressure. right? So, yeah, blood pressure cuff or you know putting an IV in that arm. And the reason we don't want to do that is because we don't want to put that at any risk of clotting off or, or stopping flow, mm-hmm. uh, because if it fails, we've lost that that place to now well. Do that. And
1: from my experience, at least, we want to leave that shunt for. It's not like when they get to the ER, you're like, "Oh, I'll just give all their medications through this shunt." It's so great because it's such great access, right? No, like, right great. You want to leave that for dialysis, yeah, yeah, That's, exactly. what it, that's a life saving thing. Yeah, we're and leave you, it for there. We can get access somewhere else to give, drugs and food. And, and the stuff. thing is, too, is that you want to be so
0: careful. You have to access that shunt three times a week, right? Usually right. for like an hour or so, or two hours or so, to do this thing. So you start getting scarring as people yeah. like people have these shunts for a prolonged period of time. They get they can get scarring. It can become hard. To access, so
1: we really want to, as best we can, minimize how often we're doing that. Yeah, in the I same think. way that you know medics out there who are starting IVs or EMTs that work with medic crews, they're starting IVs like access over a period of time, right? If you've got someone, especially if someone's like a chronic, like a dr- drug abuser or something sure. like needle drug abuser, they might have just really difficult veins to access because of scar tissue and buildup. Right. So you got to move around and sometimes you got to get get IVs in tougher spots. Same thing happens with these shunts is they can get kind of gnarled and scarred Mm -hmm. and and not. And so we want to try to use that only when we need it for what we need it for. Right. Exactly. So people on hemodialysis of what we're describing, they usually go to a
0: clinic three times a week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or something like that, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever it might be.
1: And they get
0: basically all their blood pulled out and and then, then filtered and all put back in
1: and, and this is why home. it smells like ammonia at those places because all of- all that dialysate, it, it yeah, smells, the
0: dialysate that's why, itself. That's why when is you like, walk
1: into a into a dialysis clinic, it kind of it has that like chlorinated ammonia like smell, like that. It smells like a cleaning solution. Almost. Yeah, right, because that's yeah. what you're doing. You're almost like
0: kind of cleaning the blood out that way. So the other type of dialysis that you can have is peritoneal dialysis, and this is kind of a crazy one to me. So peritoneal dialysis is where instead of um, using a machine as the filtering mechanism, you use the peritoneal space. So this is what's crazy. So these people, and this has to be done every day. So this this can only be done for patients who are very reliable, who who are able to perform this on themselves or have the support to do this. Yeah, so, they
1: do it on their own. They don't have to go to a clinic. They right. can stay at home and perform right it on themselves. But they have to do it
0: every day. Yeah. So that's the kind of the difference there. So it, it it it's really dependent on, you know, what the patient can tolerate, what they can handle. Yeah, you know, that patient sort of thing. Education so, and exactly. the
1: lifestyle and resources available to them. Exactly. Know. Exactly. So in
0: peritoneal dialysis, they literally. They're given the dialysate. They're given that solution and they inject it into their abdomen. Okay. So like where all your organs are floating around, you inject it into there. The bot, the peritoneal space, the body absorbs because of, there's a gradient, right? You put a fluid in there, right. pulls out the potassium out of the blood and out of the organs and things like that. And then they withdraw that fluid, which is now has all the bad stuff in it. Oh, geez. Which they, is kind is of it crazy. A port or is it just an, it's just, just, they just into the, yeah, like, like into a, the wall, like a,
1: almost like a diabetic. Like inject. Yeah, it's not like sub Q though. It's right not. In. It's not in yeah. the muscle. It's like literally
0: down into the oh, space, man. right into into the abdominal wall. That's crazy. Into the abdominal space. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's peritoneal dialysis. So those patients obviously are going to be at risk of things like peritonitis, infection. Right. Anytime you're injecting into that. Abdominal space, sure. Because your ear. Yeah. So those patients, you if someone's on peritoneal dialysis, one of the things you really have to be careful. Do they have a rigid abdomen? Do they have a painful abdomen? Do they have a fever? Because that can be very life threatening. Yeah. So that's and that's kind of a side note. I throw that one in there. Peritoneal dialysis is usually not the one we think of when we think of our patients yeah. on dialysis. We usually think of hemodialysis. And then finally, the third dialysis type of therapy that we will sometimes encounter, which really you're only going to encounter in the ICU. um, So you may not as an an EMS provider, but I think it's a good one to know about is something called CRRT, which is continuous renal replacement therapy. So sometimes when people in the ICU, obviously they're, they're in multi-organ failure, their kidneys are part of that they're failing. They may not need dialysis forever. They just need to get through this period of time where they're super sick so we can almost do this like daily therapy dialysis but CRT is again continuous renal replacement therapy so they get hooked up and because they're super sick they can't tolerate huge fluid shifts that we would normally do with in, in dialysis we can't take all their blood out and put it back in their blood pressure and all the kind of stuff can't handle yeah. that so it's just this almost like picture like dialysis, just 24-7, right? They're hooked up to a machine yeah. 24-7 and slowly their and blood it's not is not always it's not
1: as fast or as much. Because like, like you said, right. in dialysis, a couple hours, I yeah. filtered my entire blood. So it's gonna be a slower rate. Yeah, you're constant. filtering
0: the blood over like 24 hours like the body would yeah. through a kidney. But there's like kidney, if their
1: kidneys are taxed because of like you said, they're in the ICU, right? So right. their their kidneys are
0: failing. Not necessarily,
1: not necessarily they're not struggling from like End stage renal disease, but their kidneys are failing from something else. Toxins that they were exposed to, right. major trauma because they're breaking down. Sepsis, you know, burn, organ sepsis, failure. Yeah, burns, like that. that sort of thing.
0: So basically, it's almost like putting that. Put, we put their lungs on a ventilator yeah. to breathe for, to give their lungs a break. It's almost like putting their kidneys on CRRT to give their kidneys a break yeah. so they
1: can heal. So their kidneys aren't dying like or or dead they don't have dead tissue in their kidneys like a lot of people do when they're in like actual renal failure end stage disease but they are so overtaxed, they're on their way, right? Yeah, We're trying like we to spare don't want that. their kidneys to actually fail, exactly. and then they'd have to be in dialysis for their life. Exactly, right, so exactly. So,
0: so just kind of a an overview picture of the different types of dialysis. But the the big one that we focus in on, especially in in, in EMS, the one you guys are familiar with from an emergency standpoint, is hemodialysis,
1: right? And even in from a, if you're a transporting EMT, like when I when I worked in transport and I was just an as an EMT and I just did transport, I didn't do any rescue stuff, like. I would say 70% of my job for this private ambulance company I worked for was just taking people from their homes to dialysis. Sure. Like like, that's like when you like boots on the ground, your first job a lot of times in EMS is I'm taking people back and forth to dialysis. And I guess even now, like, it's amazing to me that I just didn't really know what I was doing. You know, right. Like, yeah, I no, was yeah, just, yeah. I was, you know, you we, do the we job. get upset when people are like, you just drive an ambulance. But I kind of was just driving an ambulance because I didn't really have a deeper understanding. I could have handled something with their airway or something if mm-hmm. something happened, and that's why they want me there. But I think learning about this kind of stuff, I wish I would have known this stuff then because it would have made me a little bit more prepared you know, yeah, a little yeah. bit more involved in what I was really taking a yeah. part of, which is a really important part of medical care is making sure that these patients are monitored and getting uh-huh. getting to dialysis on time and going back and forth. So absolutely.
0: All right. So something we've hinted at a bunch here is that like with hemodialysis, we're taking all the blood out of the body and we're putting it all back in. So huge amounts of fluid shifts. Right. So as an EMS provider, as a medic, when you get called to a dialysis center, To treat a patient, right? So if someone's getting dialysis and all of a sudden they need to call EMS, which
1: is going to happen to our listeners a lot, what is typically the complaint? So we get a lot of shortness of breath and blood pressure issues, Mm -hmm. mainly because the dialysis staff can't keep people on dialysis if there's. Blood pressure. Their blood pressure has to be a certain amount. They have to be perfusing well. They have to have good oxygenation. They have to be. It has to be very stable in order for them to continue the treatment. Right. And then the complication. Like I, I had just last cycle, I had uh, a patient who was like midway. They had they had accessed the port. There's a huge needle, and he got so unstable so quickly that they had to cut access. That, that takes time, mm-hmm. and it ta- it would have taken the staff. They told us like. Probably 15, 20 minutes to remove the needle and get everything kind of cleaned up and good to go. And he just didn't have that kind of time. So they ended up just sort of like taping the needle to him and pulled what they could. And we rolled on from there. Oh, wow. So it's just complicated. They're kind of constantly checking yeah. these patients and making sure. So they'll be very sensitive to even small changes in blood pressure, sure. like, you know, a l- little bit high, a little bit low. They're, they're, really watching that because of what they do. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? So like this is starting
0: to kind of all come together now. So we know what we're doing. We know we're removing all the blood and filtering it. So, that's the, These fluid shifts, obviously, if you have these huge fluid shifts in the body, it's going it to potentially affect blood pressure, right? which is why a lot of times you're going to have these patients say, hey, their blood pressure dropped. We had to take them off dialysis. They come to the emergency department or they get fluid overload or fluid issues in their lungs, pulmonary edema, and they develop shortness of breath and things like this. So during dialysis. And not even during it, but we get these large fluid shifts and we get it for a couple of reasons. One, because we're moving fluid around. Right. Mm -hmm. But also because we talked about that electrolyte gradient. If you've got if you're off in how you're establishing the gradient, maybe more fluid gets pulled in than it should or more fluid gets pulled out. Right. So the every day or every other day when they're getting this done, they can get these large fluid shifts, which is why we're going to see blood pressure issues and shortness of breath issues. But then that becomes really difficult for me, right? So another big question. So you, you said earlier, like one question you have to ask is when was your last dialysis, right? Because mm-hmm. if we've missed dialysis, that's, we know that that can cause problems, which we'll talk about in a second. But the other thing is, is if you're responding to someone who's been taken off dialysis because their blood pressure dropped, I need to know how much of dialysis they finished. Yeah. Because if you come to me and you're on dialysis and your blood pressure dropped in the dialysis center, and I've got someone with low blood pressure, my initial intervention is what? Give them fluids. Give them fluids. Yeah. Well, but how much fluids do I give someone who's on dialysis who can't filter that fluid? Right. So, they're
1: going to either need dialysis again and tomorrow. And how, much, how much toxins do we take out? Did we take out 50% of the toxins? Do we take out 75% of the toxins? Right. Like, and so, so because of that concentration gradient, you're dumping just clear isotonic fluid Normal into saline. Right. right. And then- is that fluid going to rush to all these areas that are have high toxicity and high pressure gradient right. because of the concentration of those, those electrolytes, right? Exactly. So, it becomes really difficult. So,
0: that's one thing I've always struggled with as an ER diet. I think there's no right answer here. It's a balance game. It's that hemeostasis that we talked about before, trying to help the body get to that place where it needs to be. But I might, you know, if I know that they were almost done with dialysis or finished off dialysis, then I I assume they can, they can maybe use 250 cc's, 500. That's not going to... That's not going to put them into fluid overload. But if they had just started dialysis, there's a component of fluid overload to start with. Every time you enter dialysis, you're fluid overloaded because your body's never filtered any out over the last couple of days. So I don't really want to give them more fluid in that regard. So then I got to find other ways to bring the blood pressure up. So again, it can be this and there's there's not really an answer here, but I'm just painting this picture of like it can be really difficult to manage these patients because we're artificially basically being the kidneys through dialysis.
1: Well, and the the same goes for fluid balances that we deal with a little bit more like in the field, if we know someone is on a diuretic, right? Let's say they're they're not end stage renal disease, but their kidneys are at, at some they're not at optimum level because of their issues with CHF or their mm-hmm. issues with their cardi, you know, their cardiovascular issues or atherosclerosis, mm-hmm. what, whatever is going on, diabetes. And then so they're on something that helps them pee. Right. <laughs> like right, right. It's, it's a it's a diuretic. It makes them go more. Right? right. If we're not using a potassium sparing diuretic when we give that right. Which, so it doesn't keep the potassium in. We don't, we lose too much fluid a lot of times, Mm -hmm. or we lose too little fluid. So, like these fluid shifts, we have to be very concerned about like, oh, shoot, I might need to dump fluid in them just to keep them alive. But if that fluid doesn't have any electrolytes in it, Where's it going to go? Right, right. And again, there's no necessarily like right answer there,
0: right? It's, right. it's all this balance game and you're, and you're checking their blood levels and you're doing this kind of stuff. So so that's the first. So, I mean, I think we've already touched on the first thing we need to look at and consider in dialysis patient is fluid shifts and fluid overload, right? So these patients are going to be very prone to
1: fluid overload because their kidneys are not functioning. They're not filtering out fluid. And the takeaway here to, like, to bring it back to basics yeah. from an from a emergency responder, for those of you that are on the road, you're not, Chris is talking right now about the complication of maintaining this balance in the ER. We are fortunate a little bit that we don't have to worry about that so much and the the answer to low blood pressure will always initially be fluid. So we will be giving fluid. But I think what we're trying to get at here is don't just open a full bag full Mm -hmm, open and mm -hmm. go nuts with fluid. You, You have to really be monitoring them as you give them fluid because this could shift in the other direction very quickly, right? You could go from, hey, he's hypotensive. I need to give him fluid to to increase his blood pressure to I gave him too much fluid and now he's drowning. Right. Right.
0: And that's not And then like I said assessing and I need to honestly, anytime we're giving someone fluids, we probably should be frequently listening to their lungs to make sure there's no signs of pulmonary edema, but even more so in dialysis patients. Right. right. Because those fluid shifts can happen so quickly. So in dialysis patients, you want to think about fluid overload. So mainly pulmonary edema is
1: the one that you want to be on the lookout. For. If it rushes to the lungs and floods the lungs out, we're going right. to have breathing issues.
0: Or if you have someone who sh- shows up with shortness of breath, that's that's your that's your chief complaint and they're on dialysis you're thinking, okay, this, this makes sense. I get why they might have that. They haven't filtered out any fluids for a couple of days. Maybe they're due for dialysis, or maybe they missed dialysis, things like that. So that's the one big one. So fluid overload is one big, you know, thing we need to be on the lookout for around dialysis patients. The other ones we've also talked about, and it's the buildup of toxins, right? Mm-hmm. So so the, the main toxins, and, and there there are plenty, right? There's lots of them. And I'm not going to cover all of them, but the, the three main toxins, I guess, I want to talk about would be potassium and um, uric acid. OK, so potassium is inside of our cells, correct? Mm-hmm. So what's usually on the outside of our cells? Sodium. sodium and the inside of the cells is potassium. So when we metabolize, right, when, when we break down things and we're doing metabolism, we're releasing where, you know, cells die and they, that potassium gets released into the bloodstream. So that potassium be, becomes one of the major things we have to filter out. Mm-hmm. And that's what the kidneys do. They filter out potassium. Now, you referenced potassium sparing diuretics. We don't want to filter out too much potassium either right but right. we need to get rid of potassium yeah. so and it's all about
1: a balance right, right. which yeah. is why like i want to be careful like w- when we talk about like waste product like potassium's important just in the body in general yeah. like you can be you can be low potassium yeah. so it's not necessarily like don't think of it as a bad guy right right it's just too much of anything is a bad thing exactly right? and it's a byproduct it's one of these byproducts of metas-
0: metabolism right yeah. is is Potassium. So um, so potassium is one of the big things we need to filter out. So someone who's missed dialysis may have signs of hyperkalemia, right? Too, too much. much hyper, too much potassium or kalemia. So again, what is that going to look like though? So we know that that makes sense now because we understand what dialysis is doing, but what is hyperkalemia? How is hyperkalemia going to present typically in an ER situation or an emergency situation? It's going to be. We're going to look at. We need to look at our EKG, right? It can cause P you know, waves. P waves. It's really extreme, though. You know. Yeah, if it's really extreme. But like the, these electrolyte balances become an issue. So hyper high potassium can be a problem, right? So that's one of the reasons that we need dialysis. So it's another thing we need to consider in patients who are on dialysis is high potassium levels, hyperkalemia. We probably should be checking an EKG, right? Do they have signs of irritability irritability in their heart from high potassium? The other big one is uric acid. So urine. We, the reason it's called urine is because it's made up of urea, which is a breakdown product of metabolism. So, like when we metabolize things, our bodies breaks it down into urea. our kidneys do. Our kidneys do right. <laughs> our body right. I say our bodies, yeah, our kidneys break down into urea. Well, if we can't urinate out that urea, right? It just sits in our bloodstream. and that that is a byproduct. That is a toxin. So people can get uremia, which is basically, you know, too much urea in the, or uric acid in the blood. Mm -hmm. And anytime you have a lot of toxins in the blood, you can get confusion. All right. So, so alter mental status, like that patient I presented in the beginning, alter mental status is something else we need to look for. And it's because of, you can get this uric acid and uremia buildup, um, which can lead to confusion.
1: So the next time my brother tries to test you at a hospital when you're just trying to do your job and you're like, Hey, I think they have an altered mental status. And he's like, well, why do they have an altered mental status? You just need to respond with, because there's too much toxins in their system. Right. And, and I to thought, shut what, I, up and go home. I promise I wasn't
0: trying to like <laughs> <I just> quiz <laughs> this guy. I was just, I just, I was just asking, you know, cause yeah. I was, Thinking through it myself as well, but but that was why that is that answer right? And I don't even know if I had, had that answer that time. But that answer is he may have uremia. He may have this buildup of uric acid or, or urea in the blood, and then the all of these toxins, so uric acid and potassium, you know, and you know CO two, which is also a byproduct. They're all acids. Yeah, right. They're all acids in our body. So acidosis is another huge thing we need to look for in our patients. Sign just of acidosis. means they have a low
1: pH, right? They have a low pH mm-hmm. versus
0: a high pH. Right, exactly. And obviously acidosis, our body needs to stay in a certain level of pH in order to function. If we get too far out of that range, we get too acidotic, then we can run into issues. Mm-hmm. So sign, that we don't we don't have to get into like signs of acidosis but the, the big thing you're going to look for for acidosis you have got a bunch of acid buildup up in your blood your body tries to get rid of that acid by hyperventilating mm-hmm. by breathing off co2 which is an acid it tries to breathe off as much as it can to bring the ph down or sorry bring the ph up yeah. right so again evaluate on our patients for hyperventilation
1: signs of acidosis and then then high levels of acid or really any high levels of electrolytes or low levels of electrolytes make patients more prone to going into cardiac arrhythmias too which is Mm -hmm. why you mentioned earlier like not just to check for pt waves but to check to see is this messing up the electrical function of the heart in general because they're at a higher risk now to all of a sudden jump into something nasty looking exactly exactly
0: so so that's pretty much it i mean that pretty much sums up so Really what you're seeing is that when you have these dialysis patients, we're going to look for fluid overload. We're going to look for cardiac like arrhythmias and irritability because of the toxin buildup. And confusion is another big one, right? We're so so really heart, lungs, altered mental status, Our ABCs. It, it, yeah. We see now why in dialysis patients we need to do the same thing as we do with anybody because they can have these signs and symptoms and right. these conditions. So really quick before we end – The other, you know, sometimes you'll see this on exams and stuff. What I like to throw this in here is the indications for emergent dialysis. So a patient who needs dialysis immediately and the mnemonic is A-E-I-O-U. All right. So a acidosis. We talked about that. If you're if you're extremely acidotic, you might need dialysis, even if you're not already on dialysis. Sometimes patients just we put patients on emergent dialysis in order to clear the acid out to try to keep them to survive. E is electrolyte issues, right? When we talked about the main one being hyperkalemia. Um, calcium can be another one, but that's, you know, the hyperkalemia, the potassium is the big one.
1: We're not going to be able to see which one it is, right? Right. But, but the, the solution is... Often the same is, is that hyperventilation mm. to breathe off the acid.
0: Right, right, right. So you got acidosis, A, E is electrolyte disturbances, I is intoxication. So certain, I'm not talking about alcohol use, but like methanol, uh, aspirin overdoses, some of these overdoses like can throw you into such bad kidney issues that you need emergent dialysis to dialyze off those toxins.
1: That Too much toxins for the kidneys to handle in an acute period. So they're going to, right. It's going to damage the kidneys if we don't do something. Right, yeah. And then O- is? Overload. Overload. Fluid overload.
0: Okay, yes. We talked about right away. Perfect, right. The Should one I forgot. forgot. <laughs> right. So, fluid, so O for overload. Fluid overload. If they're too overloaded, they might need emergent dialysis. And then, so, A-E-I-O-U, and we already talked about this too, uremia. All right. So, they're, they're crazy confusion. We get their levels and their urea is way too high. The uric acid is way too high. Sometimes, these patients need emergent dialysis as well. So,
1: makes sense? Makes sense. It's a little more. One thing I do want to yeah. touch on real quick is just, I hope no one took away from this when someone's got a low blood pressure and they're on dialysis to not give them fluid because they're scared of giving them too much fluid and food overloading. Okay. Like do your job, follow yeah. your protocol. Just all we're trying to do is tell you to have a healthy caution in the way that you treat that. That's it. I'm not trying to cause sometimes people want to see it black and white and they mm-hmm. want to say, okay, I'm never going to get food now because that could get them in trouble too. Well, they're in trouble now, right? We, yeah, we have yeah, to yeah. help just very good point. Just watch it and assess it constantly be reassessing this. A lot of this stuff is just to teach us, why we need to reassess so often Mm -hmm. and what we need to reassess and then what kind of information I need to give you at the ER. Right. Absolutely. So definitely give your fluid when they're hypotensive. But as you're giving fluid, just continuously reassess and, and be prepared for Possible fluid overload or a possible shift in the other direction. Just be ready for it. That's all. Exactly. Cool.
0: So hopefully this helped you guys a little bit understand dialysis a little bit better. Kind of give you uh, some stuff to look for in your dialysis patients beyond just uh, getting to the hospital. I think they missed dialysis. There's a problem here. Why, why we, why this is important and the different things to look for. Yeah, so again, we don't have a sponsor today unless we can use St. Patrick himself since we're shooting this on St. Patrick's Day. But uh, happy belated St. Patrick's Day, everybody. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch. Uh, Again, you can watch these on YouTube or listen to them on uh, your favorite podcast streaming. So take a look at both of those. We appreciate you guys listening and we will see you next time.
1: Yeah, don't forget the next time you pee to thank your kidneys because they they do good work. Sure, there you go. Perfect. Stay sweet. All right, bye. Hey, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're an EMT or medic student or an advanced EMT student or an instructor of those students, we have a program just for you. With Sights and Sirens NREMT prep program, you get video lectures over 15 hours of really vetted, great content to help you through your program and help you prepare for the test. Check it out at www.sightsandsirens.com.